Welcome to another episode at the Fitness Oracle. Today we sit down with an author from Four Horsemen Publications, Danielle M. Orsino. After being inspired by working as a nurse, helping a patient in an IV room, she came up with an entire series called The Book of Fae. She has an unwavering passion for cosplay, comics, and martial arts. In this episode, we cover mostly a lot about martial arts. The whole topic is how martial arts has affected her and how it's it has helped her in her life. We also talk a little bit about in about cosplay in the beginning. Uh, but some of the topics that we cover are martial arts, the martial arts competition and all its formats, uh, women's roles in martial arts, using martial arts as therapy to get over hard bumps in the road in your life, martial arts and the 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 association between martial arts and mental health and martial arts in her life. I really enjoyed bringing on Danielle as a guest. It's always a pleasure to have martial artists come in here on, on the show and, and share their experiences. Um, she's This episode is filled with a boatload of amazing nuggets. And as always, grab a pen and paper, grab a cu cup of joe, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people just like you, with real stories just like yours. And this is one of their stories. I am your host, John Katsavos. My guest today is an author from Four Horsemen Publications, Danielle M. Orsino. Danielle is a fantasy novelist whose lifelong vision is to create whimsical realms that her readers can escape to. Her, co her compelling word weaving pays homage to a multitude of personal muses from Chris Claremont and George Perez, both famous comic book writers, to Anne Rice, Jim Henson, and Wonder Woman. The creative spark of storytelling has been with Danielle ever since she was a child, but martial arts and her nursing career took her to set, took to center stage into adulthood. Then on a day like any other, it was reignited during the most unexpected of moments while treating one of her patients, seeing that they had longed for a distraction during their arduous treatments, the floodgates of inspiration soon burst forth. Danielle took it upon herself to tell them a story, a fantastical narrative that would leave the confines of that IV room's walls and land upon a page. Before she knew it, she what started as an imaginative tale to pass the time turned into a book followed by an entire series, The Birth of Fay, published by Four Horsemen Publications Incorporated with an unwavering passion for cosplay and comics, it was a unanimous decision to take place 
with an unwavering passion of cosplay and comics, it was a unanimous decision to take place on her cover of each book in all of her Fae cosplay glory. The Birth of Fae also features Loss, L-O-S, as an affable chameleon dragon inspired by her fun-loving Yorkie named Carlos. Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. It's great to have you, finally. Uh, we spoke a little while back, and uh, life has a funny and interesting way of throwing curveballs at you. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad that you're here and that we can have this uh, amazing conversation. Um, I want to get, before we get into the, the, the entire meat and potatoes of this podcast, I want to know, because I've always been curious, why would people get into cosplay? Uh, cosplay, there's so much to it. I mean, first of all, I'm a comic book fanatic and I'm a superhero nut. And I have been from when I was a little girl. I, you know, my first experience was the old Adam West, Burt Ward, Batman and Robin. I saw that. And then uh, Yvonne Craig's Batgirl go-go kicked onto the screen. And I was like, oh, who is this? Oh my gosh, she rides a motorcycle. I'm totally in. And then Bruce Lee showed up as Cato in the Green Hornet. And I was just blown away by him. And from there, Linda Carter twirled into my life and the world stopped as I knew it. It, it just, my world changed with Linda Carter because as a young girl, I only knew, you know, fairy tale stories and the princess always got captured and waited, you know, for a prince to come and rescue her. And then Wonder Woman showed up and I was like, uh, she, she doesn't need rescuing. What, what's, what's this? This changes, this changes the dynamics as I knew it, everything was different. And so I, I immediately switched my mode of thinking to wait a minute, here's a superhero who's a girl and she does not need a guy. She's not a sidekick. That changed everything. And so I became obsessed with Wonder Woman and it just stuck with me. So as I got older and once Halloween was no longer a thing you dressed up as, you know, as a kid, you did that. But uh, there was cosplay. There was this community. There was Comic-Con and you could go there and it doesn't have to be Halloween and dress up and embody it. So cosplay is just an expression of fandom. It's your expression. So you don't have to look identical to the characters. There is that, that form. There's that niche that where you have to look just like it in every little detail, but then there's just your interpretation of it and your love of the character. And so I just have such a love of these characters that it became fun to just dress up, embody them. Uh, you know, if I want to be Harley Quinn, I can run around with a big mallet and stick my tongue out and be totally crazy. And when you're in a very straight laced world, such as medicine, it, it's really fun to let loose. And like I said, run around in you know red and black spandex with a mallet and nobody's going to be like oh are you following protocol or you know you're doing this or you're doing that it doesn't matter so it, it's just a way to release let go express your creativity there, there's so many things and the community is so accepting that you're not judged and that's just a beautiful thing so cosplay is a wonderful release and i just i adore it and i adore the community it's interesting. Um, some people could argue that it's a form of escapism. Oh, 100%. And anybody who says it's not, they're lying. Let me tell you right now. It is 
it is escapism but it's escapism in a way it's not harming anybody you're you're really just playing dress up i mean think about it when you were a little kid playing pretend it's the same thing it's just now we have really cool toys and better costumes but we're still playing superhero it's you're not doing it in your backyard anymore you're going to the jacob javits center if you're in, you're in new york and going to comic-con and it's the same thing it's just you have better costumes better toys and you have a bigger group to do it with and we're just hanging out you know outside taking really cool pictures getting in the poses and the differences now you're having a debate over who's better that's that's really it and then you're looking around and there you know your black cat and there's like 10 black cats standing there and we're all taking a picture on the stairs in the same pose and then we see a spider-man and we jump on top of him and we're all posing with spidey it's you know it's the same thing it's, it's escapism i remember going one year and i very rarely see plastic man he's not like the coolest cosplay character to do but I saw this guy and he was, he looked so good. And I went over to him and it turned out he was an orthopedist and he works all year on his costume. And this is what he does. He goes to Comic-Con. He is not on call. That's what he does. He takes that weekend off and he goes as plastic man. And he looks just like him. He worked very hard on that costume. He looks great. And he knows all the poses. He's got the voice down. He's got all the catchphrases. And he said, he was like, this is what I do. He's like, I spend a lot of money on this costume and I run around here. He's like, I buy artwork. I buy my statues. He's like, I get my, all, all my collectibles. He's like, and nobody bothers me. He's like from Thursday to Sunday. He's like, don't call me. He's like, I don't care. He's like, I got somebody to cover all my patients. He's like, this is what I do. So I think it's just, um, yeah, it's a form of escapism. Some of us are living our childhood all over again. But yeah, we got a lot better toys. We're not in our underoos anymore. It costs us a lot more money. You know, sometimes those Wonder Woman corsets are, you know, if we're making them, that's great. But sometimes we're going on Etsy and we're spending three, $400 on those corsets, but we look darn good. <laughs> and that's what we're doing. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, you said Wonder Woman. And uh, to be honest with you, Wonder Woman was uh, one of my heroine favorites superhero growing up um but you know coming from a greek descent uh, i know full well about you know you know wonder woman uh, the you know the amazon the amazonian women and all that so i knew growing up that yeah men and women could be heroes too because we had men and women heroes so um for me it wasn't such a such a mind-blowing thing do you think that the do you think for the longest time that the North America missed out on that that form of balance between, you know, yeah, men can be superheroes, but women can also be superheroes as well? I think there's definitely a cultural divide in that, you know, in some cultures. I think more Native American, uh, they probably are, are closer to it, you know, Greek. I think it does. It, there is a bit of a cultural issue with that. But um, from that American aspect, I think it was something that was missing, at least when I was growing up, you know, little girls were handed a fairy tale book and were handed fairy, you know, princesses. And it's, it's immediately, you know, drilled into us of the prince will come and rescue you. It's not rescue yourself. That, that's not the first lesson we're taught. So I was not exposed to it immediately wonder woman was my first you know wonder woman batgirl but even batgirl in, in the adam west uh series she was with batman she was independent but you know it was the three of them there was never a batgirl episode all by herself it was always batman 
Robin, Batgirl. Uh, when I saw Wonder Woman, that was my first, okay, there, there's no sidekick. It's the Wonder Woman show. It's, it's all her. You know, it wasn't like Superman had the guest star. There was no, there was no male superhero guest starring. It was her. Yes, he had Steve Trevor, but Steve Trevor needed her. She did not need Steve Trevor. And that was my first like, oh, this is, this is different. There's nobody making moon eyes at her to whereas when you watch Batman and Robin, you know, Catwoman was making moon eyes at Batman and Batman could take him to leave him with Wonder Woman. No, it was all her. And that was my first exposure. And I think that is something that is missing. Nowadays, we've caught up. But back then, no, you know, you had Charlie's Angels I was exposed to later because I was too, you know, I was too young. Uh, I caught it reruns much later and then I got it. I was like, oh, okay. But even then, you know, the girls took the orders from the voice in the box, which was a man. So it was still, you know, that masculine control to an extent. Um, But, you know, I think we're catching up now. But back then, yeah, I think there is still, there's, there was that, that break and that disconnect. And I think culturally, there are other cultures that, yeah, that's kind of just accepted. Like, of course, you can have, there's male, there's female, you know, gods and goddesses. It, it is what it is. We kind of miss that boat a little bit in America. Yeah. The gods and goddesses used to play their tricks on men and women. Yeah, they, was, they, were, they were equal opportunity offenders. Yes. Yes, they were. <laughs> um. What got you initially into martial arts? Did did those superheroes have any any play on your decision to go into martial arts? I like to joke around that it always comes back to Wonder Woman. I'm sure she was somewhere in the back of my head, but initially, uh, no. My I wanted to go to New Orleans with my girlfriend. Uh, I was just turned. I just turned eighteen. And my friend Jen and I wanted to go to New Orleans. And, you know, I was like, I didn't go on spring break. I didn't do anything like that. This was my trip. You know, I was in love with reading all of the Anne Rice books. And we were going to go to the Garden District and do all the vampire tours and all this. And I went to my father and my dad was like, okay, you want me to let my 18-year-old daughter go with her best friend since sixth grade. And you think I'm going to let you go to New Orleans alone? And I'm like, yep, yeah, mm-hmm, uh-huh, uh-huh. That sounds like a great idea, Dad. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, of course I'm going to do that. Jen and I will be fine. And he knew Jen. You know, he, I'd known her my whole life. And he was like, yeah, okay. He's like, let me let me think about this. So the deal we made was the gym I went to, He, my dad knew, and he knew that they offered Taekwondo. So his deal was get your yellow belt, and I'll let you two go. And his thought was, there is no way she'll ever do this. So I was like, okay, cool like deal like we shook on it and it was like got it dad i'm doing this and i went marching down to the gym and decided i was going to take taekwondo and it was purely to just go to new orleans there was no like i'm going to be like wonder woman it might have been somewhere in the back of my head but no at the time it was just i want to go to new orleans with jen that's it well um I've heard a lot of stories of why people, uh, you know, signed up to martial arts. Uh, I know my story wasn't to go to New Orleans, uh, but good, good for you. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> martial arts 
have you seen that martial arts um, is has changed in becoming more accepting uh, with women inside the sport than any other sport out there? Um, from a competition standpoint, what I see at tournaments, yes, I, I think that it has opened up in that aspect. Uh, it has definitely moved more to a mainstream aspect. You know, I, I still think, still think it's got a way to, ways to go. But out of all the sports in the sense of which has progressed faster, I would say martial arts definitely has. I still think it's funny that people believe martial arts is so progressive in gender roles because we're not. Uh, you know, I can remember competing many times and being in like grand championship tournaments, you know, grand championship categories for forms. And being shoulder checked by men when I'm crossing paths to get into the ring, bowing, them bowing, they've competed their form, we're crossing. And literally them shoulder checking me to get out of the way and being rude to me just because I was a woman. And, the, you know, because a lot of times I, I found that either men didn't feel I belonged in that division, whether it was my stature, stature I'm not, you know, a big girl in height you know, or anything, or them not wanting to compete against a woman in forms because they felt that we had an advantage due to grace. Um, you know, still kind of them giving me kind of that half bow to where if it was a man, they'd give the full bow. I, I remember many times feeling that or them, instead of sitting on their knees or cross-legged, their legs going out and having to literally go over before I start my form and telling them back up your feet are in the ring. I can still remember that to this day and just having to always fight for that, that respect and finding it somewhat funny that it was like, why do I have to remind you how to act? And I still see it, you know, I've seen it still in tournaments when I've gone and when I've judged and I've had to go, go over and say, would you do this if that was a gentleman? And then look at me. And I'm like, the reason why we wear belts and why our uniforms is because we're martial artists. It's not that she's a girl martial artist and you're a boy martial art. That, that does not happen. Uh, I can remember competing. The last tournament I competed before I left my organization, it was um, overall grand champion fighting. And it was very clear that the men and the women would fight black belt division. And we, there would be a male fighter and a female fighter and they would fight for overall grand champion. And it just so happened that day that my assistant instructor won the men's division and I won the female division. And he was, I mean, Mr. Carbone was so happy that it was me because he was like, this is what you always wanted as an instructor. Like you want it. And we were standing there and Mr. Bishop yelled, okay, fighters up. And Mr. Carbone went running up there and I went following up and he was eyeing me like, yeah, it's going to be you and me continuous bout two minutes. Like this is it. And he went eeny, meeny, miny, Danielle, get the hell out. And I looked at my like, what? And he went, you're not fighting. And Mr. Carbone looked at him and he went, no, no, no. She won the, the women's. This is my, this is my competitor. He's like, this is cool. And he went, no, I'm not letting her fight. He's like, I'll get another guy and you two can go at it, but she's not fighting. 
And I looked down and I went, am I wearing my pink black belt again? And he was like, no, I'm not let. And they would not let me fight simply because I was a woman. It was the day I left my organization over these type of gender issues. And I was so livid and people, my assistant instructor argued with it, but it was issues like that. But still to this day, I think there's an undercurrent. We've gotten better, but there's ways to go. Now I want to touch up on that and, and something else that you said about the belt system, but we can leave the belt system because I think this point is a little bit more important. Um, I practice Sistema, Russian martial arts, where we don't have ranking systems. We don't have tournaments. Mm -hmm. We don't have nothing. It's you literally go in, you fight. That's all you, mm -hmm. that's all you do. You learn how to fight. You learn how to defend yourself and not get to the hospital too bad and send the other mm -hmm. guy worse. That's basically right. what you learn in Sistema. And I've met some women with a proper training. I can, I can send a five foot one 90 pound soaking wet woman up against a 300 pound guy and she will kick his butt. Mm -hmm. Do you think that we remove all of that training? So we don't know anything about trainer, uh, fighter A and fighter B. Fighter A is a man, fighter B is a woman. Do you think for a competition, it's they're just playing as a insurance lawsuit kind of thing that, you know what, if she gets beat up too bad by this guy, she can come back and sue us? Do you think it's more of a litigation rather than does she have um, the actual ability to beat the crap out of this guy? You know what, I to be honest, I've, and this is, I'm also going to speak from my point of view when I was competing, I'm not competing right now. So it's a little hard for me to speak and I'm going to speak more on NASCA, you know, ITA, like things like that. Um, the more mainstream tournaments we see, um, when I was competing, no, I don't think it was from a litigation standpoint at all because they just didn't care. I mean, face it, they put us in the, in the ring with foam dipped one inch, you know, headgear on half the times they could have cared less what we were wearing. Um, you know, if we were wearing shin guards, great. As long as our feet were covered, our hands were covered. If we had headgear, they were like, ready, set, go. Um, you know, they really didn't care. I mean, half the judges were like, I think they went out of the ring. You fell point, I guess, you know, like we're on gym floor. There were no mats and they had tape for the ring. What safety were they really concerned about? I mean, I can remember lining up and there was no weight class. It was literally eeny, meeny, miny. I think you two are about the same size. I don't know if the weight's right. So you guys will fight, I guess. And I can remember being red belt division and them going, we don't have any women. You want to fight the guys? Does that sound good to you? And me going, okay. And they're like, yeah, we're not going to give you the bye because you're a girl. And that would be showing favoritism. So you don't mind fighting all the rounds, right? Um, um Sure. He's six five okay why not let's go and they'll be like but you'll really earn it you know like so I don't think safety was as much of the issue as it was just like you're a chick that's I think is I mean that's as far as it was I I don't think they were really worried about our safety they'll say that now because that's the buzzword with concussions and all that crap but no I can remember being I was in junior olympic trials at one point and it was it was continuous and the guy starts hugging me because he just wants the fight to be over. And I didn't know what to do. And he copped the feel. And I remember being like, excuse me, 
and pointing down and being like, are we, are we doing something about this? And they were like, don't be such a girl. And I'm like, he's grabbing my chest. Are we like, what are we doing? You know? So I, I think at the time that I was going, it was not, it was just more like girl guy. We're not, they didn't know. Um, but I think it's gotten a lot better. You know, also MMA had a lot to do with it. Once you saw the women go, I think more people were like, oh, they can fight. Huh, go figure that. So I think it was like, check that out. I think once you get to black belt division, they figured stuff out better. It's the under ranks that they just don't know. They're just like, I don't know, let them fight. See what happens. Cool. You know, they're just, everybody's shrugging their shoulders. But that's also, it's point sparring continuous. There's so many little things to it they're still trying to catch their way. I mean, you put a Kung Fu points bar up against a Taekwondo points bar, it's two different fights. Then you put that Kung Fu person in continuous and they're going to fight differently. It's just, it's a style matchup. You got a gender matchup. There's no weight class. That's why when people go, oh, you did point sparring. I'm like, no, you see, it's, you say it like that. I'm like, and it means you haven't been to one. Because there's a lot going down there. So I I don't know if it's so much that. It's just, I think sometimes you go to these tournaments, they just don't know what they're doing. And then sometimes you go to a NASCAR one and it's run and it's beautiful. And you're like, cool, they they got this down. But I remember I went to a, um, a uh, army tournament at West Point. And every year the cadets would train in a different art. So you never knew when you got up against that cadet what they had trained in. And a lot of them came in with training from a different art to begin. They were black belts in other stuff. Then they come in and they're like, oh, this year, Kuksulwan. That's what we've been training for a year. And you're like, um, what? I'm sorry. You tra- what art is this this year? Like, you're like, huh? And then you're training on those thick wrestling mats and you're fighting on that. If you're like me and I've been training on a gym floor, I go to a wrestling mat that's six inches thick. You can't jump on that. Let me just start with that. So I trained and then I go in and they're like, oh, it's continuous. And I'm like, okay, I'm a point spar. And they're like, oh no, this is a two and a half minute continuous. We just have clickers. We're not going to stop the match for anything. Oh, by the way, takedowns are allowed. I looked at them. I said, I'm sorry, what? My face went white. And I went, what? What do you mean? Oh, yeah, you got three seconds to follow up. Three seconds to follow up. What? And I was still looking like at the judge and I'm like, three seconds. What do you, what they said, go. I was on my back so quick. I didn't know what hit me. All I know, there was the girl was coming down to punch me and I rolled out of the way and I just looked around. I went, what is going on here? And they all made a circle and started like drumming the mat. And I'm looking around. I'm like, what did I get myself into? what is happening here? And the funniest thing was the roommate of the girl that I was fighting, like two seconds before was like, I'm gonna kick her butt. I can't wait to get her. Oh my, I'm gonna kill her butt. And they called my name. They were looked at me, she went, good luck with that. And slapped me. She was like, yeah, go get her. I was like, what's her name? She's like, Bertha. I went, what? And she was like, yeah, that's her name. She goes, that's what we call her. I'm like, huh? She goes, yeah, she got a double black belt. And she was naming, I was like, huh? I have never fought so fast. That two and a half minutes, my calves were cramping because I was trying to stay off the ground. I won that match. 
dripping in sweat. She threw her helmet off. She was cursing and banging. I am like, can I leave? I just like, I was, I was like the gauntlet. I'm like, am I done here? And they were like, oh, you got four more matches. I'm like, how many people are in this division? 25 girls lined up. I was the only one who was not from West Point. When I, I finished, I won. I won the gold medal that day. I threw my stuff in that bag so fast. I could not get out of there. As I'm running out the door, one of the cadets stopped me. He was like, hey, do you want to come up here and train? I was like, nope. See you guys later. I am out of here. I don't know what's going on. Ran out of that place. So you go to some of these tournaments, you have no idea. Man, Bertha was still trying to get my attention when I left. I was like, see ya. I'm out. Nice knowing you people. I'm out of here. Check you later. Bye-bye. Oh, that's funny. I have some stories with uh, some tournaments that I did when I was a kid, but um, like getting punched in the face, punched in the nose, kicked in the privates. But uh, <laughs> like I said, like uh, I personally know two women who, when you see them, you you will not know what they can do to you. They are the scariest. They they are the sweetest, kindest, and scariest human beings on the face of the earth. Love it. Like they know how to put every single every single pound of pressure into their fist and give it to someone. And I, like I like that. I said, like I don't care how big you are, if you piss them off they will knock you on your rear and Perfect. one's about five six uh she's a recent mother uh and the other one is about five seven a hundred pounds soaking wet wow you will I love her. you will not know that they can do that that's why i asked that question because the the, the one lady uh, the one that's uh, five seven, hundred pounds soaking wet. She was an instructor in Sistema, and she has taken. I've seen her personally take on guys three times her size and schooled them. I love that. Just I really abs do. absolutely schooled them. So um, I personally know that if you can, if you can train anybody any age level at any height at any weight they can be they're able to defend themselves but it that's why i asked that question is it a litigation factor because you don't know these two people or or not or maybe it's just a bravado <clears throat> a bravado thing i've been out of i've been out of the no, i've been out of the i don't think they care oh okay. i don't i just didn't think they care i i really do i'd like to give them more credit but I've seen brawls go down where they're just, and I've seen where the judges are like, oh, ow, ooh, you know, and I'm like, are you going to stop this? Like, at what point do, like, are we, oh, okay, we're just enjoying this. Okay, all right, cool. Like, and then there are times where I've been the one where somebody's going, oh, ow, and I'm getting my face, and I'm like, is somebody going to stop this? Like, at what point am I done here? <laughs> Um, the other point that I actually wanted to touch up on, because I have a real problem with the belt system. Um, oh, yeah. I, I do not like the belt system. I think it's um, mm -hmm. I think it's overdone here in North yeah. America, because originally what it was is um, there was no belt systems in Asia. 
to you know to to see your skill level it was just a matter of how good you were and how long you've been doing it and mm -hmm. um they just said at one point i remember the story in japan is um they wanted to separate the class to see the beginners from the experts so that they give the experts black uh, a black belt and the 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 other guys they just left them alone and it mm -hmm. wasn't until here where we made that belt system I want to know. I personally hate the belt system. I think it's. I think it's. Um, I think it adds an extra level of ego that should not be in martial arts. Mm -hmm. But I want to get your perspective on it. Um, it's funny in Wushu there is no belt system. Wushu still doesn't have a belt system, which I find uh, refreshing. And when I took Wushu, it was great because there was none. It was just you did what you did. Uh, you know what, when you're, when you first go into a martial art, you want a belt system because, you know, your friends are all like, oh, what are you, a black belt? What are you, you know? Uh, and I made every stupid mistake you could make when I first started, you know? And I, it was typical. Like, I remember being a green belt and green belt is like your intermediate level, you know? And I was sparring with my instructor, Mr. McLaughlin, and I threw like my first really high round kick, just as my flexibility was getting here. And he grabbed my foot. And I had my Bruce Lee moment of, that's okay. I'm going to kick you with the other one. And I made the dumb mistake of telling him that's what I was going to do. Looked right at him as he was holding that leg. And he was talking and trying to explain something I did with the chamber. But, you know, at intermediate level, it said that you are arrogant at this because you know just enough to where you're starting to look flashy a little bit. And I'm like, that's okay. I'm going to kick you with the other leg. And I said it right out loud to him as he was explaining something. And I tried to jump and he went Boop, and just let go of the other leg mid kick. And I literally spun like a helicopter and landed face down. And he went, all right, Bruce Lee. He's like, so here's a couple things. He's like, rule number one, in the middle of a fight, don't tell your opponent, you idiot, what you're going to do. He's like, rule number two, make sure you have your landing gear out, idiot, before you jump. And I looked up at him and I went, okay. He's like, did we learn anything? And I'm like, don't monologue. He goes, yeah. And he just stared at me like, and he just walked over me, just walked away. And then he just, I literally go, typical friggin' green belt, like just complaining as he walked away, just the whole thing, just, you know, going off. And so I was like, duh, you know, it was just one of those, and that's what I did. And I kind of laughed. And as I got, as I started trying different arts, I remember thinking, I don't want to test anymore. I don't want to give fees to anybody. Every time I test, it was money. And then as I got into Kung Fu, it was the same thing. Get up and demonstrate. And I finally like looked at the Kung Fu guy and I was like, you understand I've been doing this my whole life. I don't want to get up in front of a bunch of people, show my form. I'm like, why can't you just tell me like what I'm doing wrong? Why am I doing all this? I don't need a certificate. I don't need any of this. And I got to give you money. Just ask me for the money. Here you go. Like, why do we have to pretend this is some pomp and circumstance BS? I get it for the kids. Makes the kids feel good. You want your little purple sash? Okay, go, go show mommy what you're doing. Yeah. I think we've Americanized it so much and whitewashed it to an extent. We've taken a lot of the tradition away. I like the days of just that. 
I hate to say that mentor Sifu kind of student thing. And I hate to go with the karate kid analogies and all that. But there is something to it. And I think the uh, belt system has taken away maybe the specialness because it's about money. You know, oh, give me this, you get that. What about the skill level? How can everybody be getting this belt? You know, uh, when I was training with Sifu Lin, yes, there were belts, but that man made you work. There was no doubt. And he did not test every three months. He tested when he felt you were ready. You don't know when that time was coming. He would literally just tap you on the shoulder and be like, next week. And you were like, next week what? Yeah, you're going to go for a green stash. I am. But it was like, and the adults didn't have as many belts as the kids. I think he just did like a beginner, intermediate, and black. That was it. The kids had a lot more because the kids need it, and I get that. But the adults, it was just like, you had three, and then he was like, all right, let's go for black. So you did. And I kind of appreciated that a little bit more. Yeah, I remember um, when I first started in my, my, my martial arts career, it was, uh, well, career. Uh, my journey in martial arts um, it was in Shodokan, Shodokan Karate. And my sensei came from Okinawa and he was the same. It wasn't every three months. He would just say, tap you on the shoulder next week. You're next week. You're testing. He just walk up to you. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I left Shodokan Karate, because when I was going to tournaments, my ego was so inflated as a brown belt. I was, I went to my sensei and I told him, I want to go for my black belt because I'm beating up black belts at at like 11. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you're not ready yet. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not ready yet. Yeah. And that's where the yeah. ego comes in. So that's personally why I don't like the, the, the belt system is because it, it pushes in this ego that, you know what, I'm going up against a level that's higher than me and I'm beating them. So if I'm not going to test for that level, why mm -hmm. should I go? Why should I even continue in this? I, yeah, I, you see, it's funny. I had the opposite. The belt system freaked me out when I was competing, because if there was nobody in my, in my belt class and they bumped me up, it made me more nervous. And then it was like, am I really, you know, I had like the imposter kind of thing. Like, am I really worthy of this belt? And oh my gosh. And I went the total opposite way. And it was funny. My instructor would say to me when I first started competing, he was like, just remember when you're not practicing, the girl who's going to beat you is. And he joked with me years later, it was the worst thing he could have said to me because I never stopped practicing. I took it so literally, I never stopped. And he said, he's like, that worked on lazy people. He's like, I would use it as like, a, you know, for late, he's like, for you, he's like, I never should have said that because all I did was practice. I never got the ego. I went the opposite way. Am I good enough? Should I be doing this? Maybe I should be changing this. Okay. And I went total opposite and freaked out. Um, I was never allowed to do flashy moves. I had to stay strict traditional to compete in the open tournaments with a taekwondo traditional form and not throw a split and not throw you know 
head high kicks and not throw an aerial to place, that was almost near impossible. I remember when I finally got to do what on and I was like, okay, can I please dress this form up? I had to beg like on my hands and knees. I was like, look, I'm in advanced division. There are girls throwing backflips. When I get to grand champion, like I can't compete against open people with a bow, twirling it around their head. And they would like go into a full split with their palm over their head, like holding a, a, a sword or something. And I'm just like, okay, here we go. What on? Kia as loud as I can. Yay me. You know, like, what am I, what am I going to do? I got Casey Marks on the other side of me. I went up against the mouse once and she literally came in in like a James Bond style Dobok. And I'm like, I remember looking at her. I was like, I had every curse word when she walked in going in my head. I was like, really? You're going to do that? And I was like, here we go. Here we go. And she's scorpion kicking her way through. And I'm like, and I was just like, you could see the look on my face. And I was just like, I hate you. I hate you so much right now because you're going to land in your little split. And, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, and I'm trying to stick. And I, you know, every, like the rationale is always, I'm doing it traditionally. I'm doing it the way that the Koreans meant for it to be done. The way Mr. Cho wanted it done. Mr. Choi Hong Hee, General Choi Hong Hee wanted this done. This, you know, you're going through the whole thing in your head to justify this form. Meanwhile, you're just like, I just want to throw an aerial at the end and land in a split. Just like she does. That's all I want to do. And I literally at the end was like, watch this. And I changed the ending into a front snap kick vertical brought it down into a, a split and then landed like ta-da and the place was silent there was like crickets i'm like i thought that was pretty darn cool but okay fine you people don't know real talent got up and, uh, and then i went and cried in the bathroom but it was like there was no ego for me because i was getting beat i'd get all the way to grand champion and i'd get like my butt handed to me because i couldn't compete with the open division i wasn't doing backflips so I didn't have it, but I'd look at my belt. I'd look at like red belt and I'd be an undergrand, like underbelt grand champion. And I would think, when am I going to get there? I can't seem to make it. And that was always it. So I was always questioning my belt rank instead of thinking ego wise, like I'm there. It was the opposite for me. Did you ever break that? Um, no, I was always, I always felt like I needed, that's probably why I went to Wushu. I wanted the flashy thing then. I wanted to try my hand in the flash because when I won my first underbelt grand champion, I was judged by Michael J. White. Jai White, who walked in after he just, Spawn had just come out. He was doing the Mike Tyson biopic. And he walked into a charity tournament, did not tell anybody he was going to be there and just walked in. And everybody was like, holy crap, Spawn's here. And he just walked into my ring and he went, I'm going to judge the underbelt division. Do you guys mind? And I was like, and the whole place just, I mean, we literally stopped. And he threw a backflip and the top of his toe hit the bottom of the basketball court um, net and he landed. He was like, you guys don't mind, right? And who's that? Who the heck is going to say no to spawn? I mean, we were just like, no, that'd be great. And he took the center chair. And I remember being up against everybody from one team like this whole school had just cleaned the divisions and i was like 
I'm the only one here in a plain white uniform. Like they all had these jazzy purple uniforms on. They all look really cool. My instructor would never let me wear anything but a plain white no matter how hard I beg. Like I had to beg for a heavyweight just to make it snap. That was like my big like, ooh, moment, you know? And I got up and I was the third one. So I set the hard deck on the scores. And these guys went and they got, and then I went, we all waited for our scores. And I had 9.98s. And I was like, holy crap. I, and I didn't do anything flesh. I didn't on just like I should. And I wound up winning. I was blown away. And then Michael Jai White came up to me after and I went, what could he shook my hand? And he's like, it was a beautiful tradition, clean form. I said, what could I have done better? And he looked at me, he went, what? And I said, I'm sorry, sir. And he went, girl, you just won. I went, I know, what could I have done better? And he literally went, and he looked around, he went, now that you ask, come with me. And he put his arm around me. He goes, okay, this is what I would do. He's like, because you asked. And he said, stand sideways when you introduce yourself. And he gave me this whole thing. And he was like, and that was the first time I felt like, maybe I'm not so bad. Like, maybe I'm not so And it wasn't because it was him. It was just because, okay, I won. I want more of these. It's a 10-foot trophy. I want more. I'm going to have to take it apart to get it home. But that's okay. And that was when I was like, all right. But he said, he's like, why are you asking? Like, he was very confused. And I said, I ask all my judges what I could do better. He goes, you need to stop. He's like, and calm down. But still, I always ask, what can I do better? Blah, 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 you know. But I don't think I ever really got out of it. I mean, I went to Wushu afterwards just to do something flashy. Because I thought the flash made it. It was something I hadn't done. So I thought it made it better. And I had to go to the world championships with it. And I still didn't win gold. I still only took silver and I was still mad about it. And I still contemplated going back the next year just to see if I could win gold. Like it's still stuck in my craw. It was still like, do I come back next year? Do I try this one more? And my husband was like, no, we're done. We're retiring. He's like, you went to the world championships. You tried a different art. He's like, Danielle, we got, we have to be done now. <laughs> but I don't know if I'm ever, you know, still sits there sometimes and I still go, you know, I think I could do this one more time. I think one more time I could. Do and he's like, no, we're, we're finished. We're finished. I don't know. That's interesting. Um, I've, I've, I always enjoy watching the flashy part of martial arts, but I always question myself whether, how effective it is because I'm more, I, I, I know it's effective. I know it's effective. I have sparred with lots of people from different forms of martial arts. And I, I can tell you which ones are the good ones, which ones are the bad mm -hmm. ones. And that's what the, one of the good things about Sistema brought to brought into my life is that I got to see all the little <clears throat> different aspects, different types of martial arts, like Capoeira. It's flashy. It's very effective. I don't want to fight oh, a Capoeira, that, yes. Capoeira okay. practitioner. No chance. I tried it mm -hmm. never again. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, another one I don't want to fight. Um, but the the what I really enjoy is the simplicity of martial arts. Like you take one step out of a punch and you can also meet the person with a punch as they're coming into as they're walking into your fist. Mm -hmm. so you don't have to do any work. I love that. That's right. the brilliance of Sistema. And um, 
I'm not saying Sistema is the best. I'm just saying for me, it's the best right. one for it me. Works. It works for me. Um, I also used martial arts a lot in my later time to help heal my trauma. And I know that you've also, we spoke before, and you've also used martial arts to heal your trauma as well. How, uh, how has martial arts helped you heal your trauma? I think, first of all, it's an ongoing journey. I can't say that it's, it's something that I've completely worked through. I'm always working through it. I still train. I train in Muay Thai now, which is very different um, than what I've trained in the past. You know, that set discipline versus going in now and kicking a pad and just kicking it. What happens? Uh, martial arts has grounded me. When I feel like the whole world is slipping away, I've always had martial arts to go back to. It's been the one constant. The funny thing is it's also been a source of trauma at times. And it took me a while to figure that, that trigger out. And it's only been recently that I've even, you know, gone back. And it's kind of funny that you discover those moments. And I had it very recently when I was sparring, probably about maybe two months ago. I was sparring with a partner and I very rarely spar women, you know, which is kind of funny, all things considered. I was always sparring guys. My school was mostly men, you know, everything. And I had a lot of traumatic experiences fighting men. You know, um, head of my organization was a misogynist jerk who enjoyed embarrassing women because he did not feel women belonged in the martial arts. So he enjoyed that. And um, I was sparring with a new female partner who's wonderful and sweet. She really wants me to learn. And I had a hard time hitting her. Didn't mind, I didn't mind taking the punch. She could punch me and I was fine. But hitting her was very difficult for me. And at one point I hit her and it was one of those where she walked in, I walked, you know, it was just one of those moments where we're trying to control it. And I nailed her. And I got so upset to the point of tears because I was like, oh, and she was like, whoa, what's going on? And I realized I don't like hitting women. Just don't like it. Because I had been hit so much to the to point where somebody had been trying to embarrass me. And it was so weird because without martial arts, I wouldn't have had the trauma. But at the same point, I wouldn't be able to work through it. You know? And that bullying and, and all that. But also that comes back from childhood and things. So martial arts allows me gives you that physical possibility to work through it and you realize how much you keep in but then you have the outlet to express it and there's no other there's no other place there's no other physical art that allows for that because if you keep it stuffed down it's going to find a way out and those ways you don't have control over this i can control and that was what my partner had said she's like but now, you know, after we had a moment to talk about it, she's like, but now we can control what happens from this point on. And that was like a real big moment for me of just, oh, it doesn't have to control me. I can control it. Let's work through this together. And I think martial arts is one of the only things where you can do that. I mean, you, you can't do that in dance, uh, even though it's a physical expression. You, there, where else can you really do that? Okay, you can go to an aerobics class, I guess. You could go on the treadmill and run. But martial arts allows for you to have that exchange with someone else. And if it's someone you trust, you can really work through a lot of trauma. 
And I think that's important. You said something very important right there with that story, um, uh, hitting women. Um, now, I, I, I don't want people to think that, you know, martial artists are misogynists, the majority yeah. of them, no, male or female, uh, that we enjoy hitting women. We do not like hitting anybody. Mm -hmm. um, there is a giant mental block, both men and women, hitting yes. women because mm -hmm. I've, I've been, I was an instructor in Sistema and I've seen it before where um, because Sistema is a very um, give and take, I, I call it a give and take, mm -hmm. like you get hit, you have to hit back with the same amount of energy. So you have to judge for yourself how much you're taking in and you give it back to the person. So it's a lot of give and take. And we mm -hmm. don't hold back. If the other person goes full force, you go full force back. But when, when there's a woman present in front of you, if I'm sparring with a woman and she hits me hard, I will hit her just as hard mm -hmm. as what I felt, because it's, this is what you're giving me. So yes. you can understand how you, like you said, how are we yes. going to move forward with this? Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's a very hard thing to break with people. Oh, yeah. It's, it's very difficult. It's even as a fighter and I point sparred women, but the difference is, is I don't know that person in front of me. I don't really care. You're at that point. You're just an opponent. I've never seen them as a woman. I've just seen them as an opponent. I don't have to talk to you afterwards. That's why I never talked to my opponents before I would see them all giggling and talking. And I'm all like, why are you friends? Like I have to, I have to punch you out. Um, but as a training partner, I never had a female training partner. That's a big difference because training partner is your, is a friend you know, for most people, uh, my schools were always male dominated. And our motto was always hit as hard as you want to be hit. So it was, sometimes it was a bit of a give and take, like you said, and it's a dance you do in the beginning. Um, but I was so used to being beaten up in the beginning, because I thought that's what it meant. You got beaten up, because you know, you're a low rank or whatever it is, or this is, a you know, a black belt. And I remember I used to have to thank them when I got hit. If I got hit very hard. I would have to stop and tell the black belt, thank you, sir. Nice technique, sir. So I was trained that this is what you did. You got beat up. That was just part of it. And I would get beaten up sometimes to the point of embarrassment by the head of our organization that it was just drilled into me. This is what you did. And even when I went to the Kung Fu, uh, not with Sifu Lin, but when I went to the other Kung Fu school, uh, we had one other woman there who's a phenomenal fighter, but her and I never got partnered ever. I would get partnered who, with her husband, who was 6'2 and 300 pounds. That's who I got partnered with. And I remember one time getting asked to fight him and her going, um, excuse me, why don't I fight her? And they were like, no, no, no. And I would fight him. I would fight all the teenage boys. And then I would fight my husband, who's six one 190 pounds and we would go between point sparring and continuous and they would just change the rules midway sifu would yell out um continuous we'd go continuous my husband would beat me then he'd go point sparring i'd be him and i remember one day we were doing that and, and the sifu went to my husband phil keep her honest and my husband finally turned around threw his gloves down he goes we're point sparring he goes i'm keeping her honest he goes this is what she does he goes this is what she's been doing she's rated 
she's going to beat me. She's faster. He goes, but my reach on her is longer. When it comes to continuous, he goes, I'll take a million shots from her. He goes, and then I'm just going to pummel the crap out of her. He's like, and, but I was so used to getting beaten up that it wasn't breaking through my brain. This is not how you normally teach it. I was conditioned. So when I finally went to the Muay Thai place and I had a female training partner, I did not want to do to her what was done to me. So when we finally started sparring and knocking around and she had fought professionally, she'd done amateur. It was when I finally clocked her and I did it by accident. Automatically, I thought, oh God, I did to her what's done to me. It just rushed back. And I was like, and it had all that feeling of, oh God, I don't want to be one of them. And I don't want to be a bully. And that it all, you know, that trauma just all flooded out. And I didn't realize how, how long it had been stuffed down. And I had the whole place looking at me. And it was also funny because uh, we have a big boxing ring, regulation size ring in, in the gym. It's boxing in Muay Thai. And I remember how many times the boxers have been in the middle of the ring fighting. And nobody's yelling, jab, slip, do this, do that. The minute I got, and I was not in the ring, I was on the side, the guys were all yelling what I should do. I remember throwing my my stuff down and turning to them and going, you guys don't even know my name. You don't even say hello to me. You got every comment on how I fight. You wouldn't do this if I was a guy. You know, like it immediately turned into that. I was just trying to blend in. And it was just so like embarrassing, you know? But at the same point, martial arts allows you to work through all of this. So I'm grateful at the same time so it's kind of a weird dichotomy. It um, it really is, and um, um, I I personally know the feeling of, you know, like when I was like really training in Sistema, my pain tolerance grew so much where I could you could pretty pretty much take a I'm five foot, I'm five foot eight hundred sixty eight pounds. You could take a six foot two six foot three guy three hundred pounds to beat the crap out of me, I'd, I'd still be standing. That's, that's where my pain tolerance was. I'm not trying to say I'm a tough guy and this and that. I'm just saying that's where my pain tolerance was. It was very high. But when, um, when I would be sparring or practicing play, we call it, we would call it play, play with a play with a female and I'd hit her a little bit too hard. I'd be like, Oh, Oh, are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah. And that's like the worst thing that you could do to her because you're not doing, um, you're not doing her any favors. You're exactly. You're not doing her any favors, but in mm-hmm. the other, and the, on the other sense, you come off like a, like, like a misogynist saying you're trying to walk the fine line. And yeah. as a woman, I get that because you want to treat me like a training partner, but you don't want to be a jerk. So you're in a weird position as a male because you want to be like, Hey, look, I get it. You're here to learn. I'm totally here with you. You know, but at the same time, you're like, I just clocked this girl. I look like a jerk right now. So you're, it's so weird because you're like, okay, I apologize. But now I look like I'm patronizing her at the same time. I feel like I got to apologize because I really didn't mean to hit her like that. Cause then if she comes back at me hundred percent that I got to go forward at hundred, you wind up with this mental acrobat that you're doing in your head. And now you're not fully present in the training and you wind up doing it. I get it. But there's also a different aspect to striking that I found it's 
healing. Yes. It's healing exactly. for the person getting strike, getting it hit is. because it's like, like you you have to deal with, you know, the pain that's coming inside of you and mm-hmm. you have other pain inside of you. And that physical pain is helping the emotional that's pain. That's my partner said. Exactly. So it's like, it's like this weird balance, but it's, how do you explain that to people? People think we're sadists to a point. If we do this, they think like, oh, you like pain. And it's like, in a way it's purging. The pain I'm taking is purging because I'm also testing myself. I've been through certain emotional trauma and the physical pain in a way is a representation So as you're hitting and I'm taking it, I'm like, yeah, I can do this because I know mentally I'm tough, but the physical pain you're giving me is almost reinforcing the mental toughness and helping me purge out that mental, uh, that mental stuff I've been through. So one is reflecting the other. And that's why I need to keep going forward because it's, I don't want to keep using the buzzword imposter syndrome, but in a way one is doing the other. You're reinforcing that I'm just as tough up here as I think I am. And it's, and the outside is now they're, they're matching. And that's why you need to keep going forward with it. So it's like, I'm trying to put myself through it because I've already been through it on the inside. And that's really what I'm trying to do. It's not so much that I'm trying to live out the wonder woman fantasy. Heck, if I was, I'd be full out in a wonder woman costume going in Muay Thai like that. And my coach would probably be laughing his butt off at the whole situation but I'm there because it's like, I've already walked through the fires emotionally and mentally. I'm just here to make sure the body matches up and I can, I can do that. And when you hit me, it's good for me. It's training me. And that's what I need. But you tell somebody that and they're just going to come over and clock you. And you're like, well, that's not what I was looking for. Exactly. You know, it's a give and take. And that's what I think a little piece of it is. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll never forget one, uh, one, uh, one, one, one class that I was teaching, you know, I was teaching a handgun, handgun disarming and defense against, against a handgun. And this, uh, this little, this, there was this little lady up there and I put her, she partnered up with a bigger guy and the bigger guy was holding the gun right at her. Now, full disclosure, it was a training gun. It was a plastic gun, full disclosure. And, um, she thought I was crazy when I didn't allow her to change partners, she thought I was insane. She asked me to change her partner. I'm like, that's the partner that you paired up with. That's the partner that you got to deal with. Cause you're not going to be able to ask to change your partner. If this happens to you in real life, that's what you got to deal with. So at the end of the class, she, uh, we, we all sit in a circle and we all talk and we, we take out the good things, what we could have changed. Like, it's like feedback and, uh, a way of expressing yourself to, to the class and to the instructor. Right. And, uh, she was like, I never thought that I would be so comfortable and be so at peace with something that, um, that drastic, that, that, that important. Do you think it's important to put people in extremely stressful situations so that they can see who they are and how they will act? Um, I think it's important to put them in uncomfortable situations. I don't, everybody handles stress a little differently. So I think it's all subjective to a point. 
Um, I think it's all different. I know it. It's funny. I I know how I get. I don't. I don't mind being. I, I work well under stress. I work well under stress. I don't mind it, but I do know some people that freeze and they're like, "Yo, this isn't for me. I can't learn this way." And so I think it's all different. I do find it funny, you know, now after being in martial arts for years and kind of, you know, it when you walk into a, a martial art class and I think martial artists out there who have been in it long enough, know it. the minute you walk in a school or a training, you can, you can kind of pick out the personality types the minute you walk in now, like you can walk out and you're like, that's the queen bee. That's the teacher's pet of the one who wants to get the teacher's attention. And that's the one with daddy issues. Okay. Got that. All right, cool. Oh, that's the one who thinks they're the students, the star student. That is the star student. That's the one who's got somebody, something to prove. Okay, that one's cool. I can work with that one. I can work with that one. Like you kind of figure out the lay of the land within 10 minutes of being there. You can just look at the place and go, yep, okay, I can train here. Nope, no way I can train here. And you turn around, well, great, thank you so much. Thank you, sir, whatever. And you walk out, you know, like you kind of know it now and you know the environment you can be in. You know, I'm not there to put on a dog and pony show. Like I can't do it. If I see everybody be like, okay, let's get up and do our forms. I'm out. I'm not here for this. I'm not, no, we, we're not doing this. I'm not here to, uh-uh. Nope. See ya. Nice knowing you. That's great for a first timer who's looking to, I'm out. Not doing that. Um, I, I just, I think it's all what that person's about. You know, some people work really well. Some people don't. I think it just kind of depends. And it depends on the day they're having. Yeah, we just tell them to breathe. Just focus yep. on your breathing, no matter how stressful a situation is. Just focus on your breathing. You'll figure it out. And it let, not to sound like, um, not to sound that you know it's 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 a hard case, hardcore kind of martial art that it's uh, mm -hmm. go in there and uh, it was based mm -hmm. off of Russian Spetsnaz training. Okay, that's what it was based off of. But all martial arts is based off of special forces training. Um, but it's more um, trying to figure out yourself. And that's that, the point. That's why I did. That's why I didn't want to give her an easy out i wanted her to figure it out for herself that's a good point yeah you know, i can it, agree with that yeah i think um i know the only thing like i have issues with when i'm in a class is don't touch me if you're teaching ask if you can touch me like that's one of my things i've had situations where someone's come up behind me and like adjusted me and i'm like i'm sorry did i say you could adjust me like you know, unless you're the instructor, I've literally had like somebody come behind me who is not the instructor and adjust me. And the elbow was inches away from his cheek, inches. Like I had to stop. Don't touch me. Unless you're the instructor, there, your hands should not be anywhere on me if we are not trained. Like if we're training and it's a training thing where it's self-defense, okay, I got it. But if I'm holding the pads for somebody and they're kicking, do not come and adjust me because you think the pads need adjustment and come up and bear hug me. No, you are going to get hurt. That's like, there are certain um, protocols. I don't care how old school you are. You don't come. And I, I, it's not just being a woman. I don't think you should do that to anybody. And I've seen it. Like I just saw it recently. And I literally looked at the coach and I went, you going to say something? 
uh, and I yelled in the ring. I'm like, don't touch people. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, you don't come up behind me because somebody's going to get elbowed in the face and I'm going to laugh when it happens. I'm not, even as a nurse, I am not getting you um, any, any paper towels for the bloody nose, nothing. I'm going to sit and laugh and be like, I'm off duty. Sorry, I'll take insurance. Don't know how to help you on that one. I'm just going to laugh when it happens because I've seen guys go up. I saw somebody recently do this. Where the kid was holding the pad and he wasn't really holding it wrong. And he went up behind the guy, bear hugged, like to adjust it. And I went, oh, Lord, he didn't just do that. Like, and I saw the look on the guy's face, like his eyes went wide. He was looking up at me and I'm like, say something. Go ahead. And I was like, I looked at the guy and I just mimicked elbow in him. And the guy was just staring at me like, what is he? Why is he touching? I'm like, and I turned to my coach. I was like, you need to make an adjustment for this. I'm like, you can't go up and touch people. And he was like, well, I'm like, no. I'm like, no, 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 no. I was like, in this day and age? no 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 we don't we don't touch people no 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 i was like this isn't i was like he does that to me and we're gonna have problems and my coach just looking at me he's like yeah no don't he's like please don't I'm like and so i i kind of laugh when i see i'm like they're stressing people out then there's like you know certain things like old school martial arts i don't think we've learned well that, you know, we need to do I I'm laughing because uh, I can remember multiple times myself where um, I'm sparring, I'm wrestling with my partner and somebody's trying to, uh, they did something. I can't remember what they did. And it ended up as a, as a, as a, as, a, as a, three people, me, my partner and that person. And then that his partner was bored. So he joined in and then we got into another group of two people. Then they, basically ended up as the entire class was wrestling it was it was the most the most eye-opening weirdest experience because you're not wrestling against one person you're wrestling against 15 people so it's that like, i can't imagine yeah that's just i mean i've group sparred like that before where it's just turned into like a free-for-all sparring i've done that a couple times where i'm like Who's coming next? And it's kind of fun because you're just like, okay, like here we go. But wrestling, I mean, when I've grappled, okay, I get that. But like, I mean, just adjusting someone like for holding the pads, and, you know, like my oh. coach always asks. Oh, we never cared. We never cared because it was like, hold the pad so you don't get hurt too bad when we go full out. That's all. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I've seen people hold pads incorrectly. And I've been like, can you hold them like this? But I would never just go up. If two people are kicking, I would never reach around behind somebody and grab. Like, you're asking to get hit at that point. Like, you don't, personal space, I think, in martial arts, there's certain things you have to check at the door. But then there's certain things that I still think people have to realize. Like, you know, grappling one thing. Uh, self-defense but like when somebody's holding a pad you would not expect somebody to come up and like reach around and grab or you know I've had like with somebody's trying to show a kick and they're like can I hold your leg and I'm like okay you asked cool but I've seen where people just go up and like grab and I'm like why are you touching that but like mm, do you understand in this day and age like you can't just oh you know and also when you're in martial arts you're, like you're height you're like on alert all the so if you just go up and reach around somebody you don't know people's reflex like i don't know you know i kind of 
I laugh at some of these and I'm like, somebody going to get hurt one of these days. And, you know, I just, I don't know. There's certain rules. And I always joke that like, you have to explain it, you know. Uh, it's it's interesting. Done. Uh, it's interesting because uh, personal space is not a thing in Sistema. You because you not when you're training. No, I agree with that. When you're training, it. I don't know. I I I haven't trained in Muay Thai for longer than six months, to be honest. And uh, and Shotokan Karate was very formal way of traditional Japanese mm-hmm. martial arts. But Sistema is just one of those things where it was just someone got near yeah. you. They're going to expect a punch, kick, elbow, choke, grab, whatever. That's kind of, yeah, and that's what just, I like. And if I come near somebody and they do that to me, I got to expect that to defend myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't get punched, kicked, grabbed, choked out or grab that's whatever. What I I'm with you. I'm with you. But there was there was no there was no rule because we everybody just expected it. That's kind of fun. Oh, this is so much fun. I miss it so much. I miss it so much. I don't. Martial arts has a very interesting effect on we've been talking a little bit of the effect of the you know how martial arts helps improve mental health. But it's it's it and we touched up on this a little bit more, and I want to go into it a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Um you go into any dojo, any gym, any whatever, and you expect to get beaten, the crap kicked out of you sometimes, most of the time. Mm-hmm. But you always walk out with a smile. Yeah. Why? I think part of that is you survived. You know, there's just a certain survival. You know, you've done it. Um. I'm, I was always the smallest kid. I was never an athletic child. I wasn't the first kid you picked for dodgeball. You know, I was always the last kid you picked for anything because I'm smaller in stature. I, like I said, I was not, when you thought athlete in my school, you didn't go, oh yeah, or, you know, totally. That's not what you thought of. You know, I was, I was not it. Um, So the fact that I even took this on and then started competing. No one would ever have thought I was going to compete. I didn't think I was going to compete, heck. Um, But that I was training, pushing myself, and then doing well. Those were all things to be proud of. You know, uh, a good workout, I left buzzed. I was just so happy because I was learning something new. I was doing something that I was good at. And I was pushing myself and, yeah, surviving. I mean... There's a picture, I still have it somewhere, after a sparathon with myself and my instructor. And literally, our dough box are like hanging out. We're both red faced, hair's a mess, sweaty. And we had sparred, I think, for five hours straight to raise money for something. I forgot what it was. And the black belts were on one side, and the underbelts just kept rotating in. And Everybody else dropped out. So by the end of it, it was myself and maybe five others. And we had to just keep going. And I have the biggest smile on my face. I mean, big ear to ear grin. Because I did it. And that's kind of how I felt every time I left that school. 
I was, yeah, I was frustrated sometimes. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get a flying sidekick for the longest time the way I wanted it. So I looked like Bruce Lee, you know. It was like, that was the kick I wanted. When I did Chung Lu, I wanted to have this crazy kick where I sailed over three people and, you know, my instructor would like break a board and jump over a couch to do it. And I wanted to do that. You know, that was like my big goal. Um, you know, and I would be upset like for two seconds. because I didn't get it today, but next time I was going to get it. There was always a next class. You know, that was the big hope. And that's what you left every week with or every class. It was like, yeah, but next time I always have a next time. And even in competing, that's the difference when I joke with writing once I've written a book, it's done. I can't go back and change it. It's, it's finished. People are going to judge what I wrote. And if they don't like it, I can't go back and change their mind. With martial arts and competing, that was the difference. I could compete on a Saturday. And most likely there was a tournament on Sunday. Whatever I did Saturday, I could literally erase and go Sunday and win a bigger trophy. And do it the following weekend and the weekend after that during the tournament season. And keep improving. That's kind of cool. And that gives you a reason to smile. So it's like a sense of accomplishment kind of thing, like the self-accomplishment. Like uh, I got out of this, uh, this, this class unscathed and all, all my fingers and toes intact. It's accomplishment and hope rolled up into one. Because there was always another class. And there was a little chance you might not get out of it unscathed the next class. But then there's that really good chance that you will. And you'll learn something new. And you can do it better. And that's what you're constantly looking for. Interesting. That that's that's really cool. Um, that's really cool. I never thought of it that way. Never thought of it that way. It's, it's for me. It was always, um, uh, how, you know, could I take a bigger hit? Could I take a bigger hit? Could I take a bigger hit? I remember I had a 200 pound guy land on the top of my head and up in my top of my neck. It started to burn. And um, at the end of the class, the instructor had put everybody up in a line to take punches. I was in that line. He's wow. like, no. He goes, you are not going to take a hit. You are going to sit down. <laughs> but that, <laughs> like, but, I can't, but, I'm, I'm, but I'm fine. It's okay. You thought I was paralyzed from the neck down. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's this feeling that each class you're different. You're a better person. And the idea that the next class you'll be changed again is exciting. And I think that's what was really cool is I was never the, I was never the same person when I left class. And whether you did it on a Tuesday and come Thursday, you had that opportunity again. You were always like, well, what's going to happen in that class? And how's that going to change me? kind of an exciting time yeah i totally agree with that statement you're never the same coming out as you are going in um and with that we're coming close to the end of the show and these are the seven or eight questions i ask all my guests and i'd just like to get your perspective on these seven or eight questions with the increase in people suffering from depression from the uncertainty that we've been living through through the last two and a half three years what would be the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up um, I think that the major thing is that if anything we've learned is that everything passes and this too shall pass. And it's so trite 
and it's so stereotypical, but um, I think that's the major thing to learn is that if you have one person to lean on and they lean back on you, that's what you need to do. What's the one thing that you do daily that amplifies your ability to stay focused? Um, for me, besides just taking five minutes to breathe, that's one thing that I have to do. I have two of the most adorable puppies in the whole wide world and having my two little dogs, taking them outside and just taking a break for a second has helped me tremendously and reminding me to stay in the moment, which I'm horrible at. I mean, really bad. I've had to learn to live in the present. I, I'm not very good at it. And having um, Carlos and Penelope, that's made a huge difference of just watching them. You can learn so much from dogs. And watching Carlos, I call it crazy Carlos face, run around with his tongue hanging out of his mouth. And when he has one of his toys, and I'm sitting there going, no, we can't go outside with the toy. And he looks at me and he picks up the toy and goes flying out the door. It's like, oh yeah, it's going to be okay. All right. Like there's so many other things to worry about, but then this dog's looking at me like, you ain't got nothing to worry about. Like I, I got my little toy and I'm running outside and it's like, all right, chill out for two seconds and it's cool. And that refocuses me. If you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? God, there's so much I would tell myself. Um, don't take things so seriously. That would be the first thing. Um, you're not as weird as you think. I know you think you're weird. Um, but it's all going to be okay. Just chill. It really will be okay. Um, martial arts is the best thing you could have done. But it's not your life. At that age, I thought martial arts was everything and anything my life was wrapped around in it I competed non-stop and I put so much pressure on myself um I would probably say just calm down a little bit breathe um and just you're hot don't worry about it <laughs> you know I didn't have a lot of uh self-esteem at that point you know 20 years old there's a lot of insecurities and just chill out. You'll find your tribe. Looking back, would you change anything? I don't know if I would change a lot, no. Um, I, I really don't. You know what? At the end of the day, I think I ended up exactly where I was supposed to. Yeah, there's some bumps in the road that, uh, you know, maybe I'd smooth out here or there. But, you know, I, I thought, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go into medicine. I'm going to do that. If I didn't um, go into medicine, I wouldn't have met my patients. I wouldn't have inspired my books. I wouldn't be an author. And God knows I never thought I'd be an author. Uh, I think I ended up exactly where I'm supposed to. I just took the scenic route. You and me both. Yeah, yeah I just... It, you know, I took the long way to get to grandma's house. That's it. 
What scares you? Um, snakes scare the crap out of me. Um, the thing that scares me, I think, is having regrets. I don't want to have any. And at this point, uh, I still have issues. I trust the wrong people. And I want to, you know, learn to forgive a little bit more and let things go. And that's something that I'm afraid I won't learn how to do until it's too late. Where do you see the Four Horsemen publications in the next five years? Well, I hope that I'm, you know, the best-selling author of all time in five years. And, you know, they're thanking me and they're on their hands and knees saying, oh, thank you, Danielle, for tricking us. We're so grateful. Um, that's where I hope. But um, I hope that in five years, Birth of the Fae is an animation series, an animated series. And I have a game and I'm sitting back laughing, going, ha, 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 you know, as, I, as I'm surrounded by all my merchandise and, you know, I'm well into my series and, you know, doing all that stuff. But um, I'd like to think in five years, I'm well established and Birth of the Fae is... Uh, we're well into volume three by then, and um, everybody knows Birth of the Fae, and we're we're into a full fledged uh, a series at that point. Yeah, five years. That sounds about right. I'd like to think so. And yeah, there's video games, and um, people are cosplaying as my characters by then at Comic Cons. That's what I'd like to see. Is you know, we've got some good Comic Cons, and you know, I can see a King Jarvok and a Queen Aurora walking by, and we're having a good time. Cool. Cool. How about you personally? Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Uh, I'd like to still be writing my series, you know, and enjoying it. Uh, I'd like to think there'll be some real big uh, advances in dermatology and I'll still be on my covers. Um, <laughs> you know, having a good time with that as well. And um, I'd like to think that I will have learned from these experiences. And um, I'll be writing and surrounded by all my puppies and enjoying things, learning to live in the present and still on my healing journey. I think that's probably the most important part. And I hope still training in some capacity. I don't ever want to have to give up training. I, I think it's kind of part of who I am down to my very cells. I think when you're a martial artist and you truly love it, it doesn't leave you. It's, yep. it's really still there and still be cosplaying. I still hope I'll be going to comic cons, but at that point, uh, as much as I dress as my characters now, I'll be dressed as my characters doing book signings and people will be like, oh, it's Queen Aurora. It's Desdemona. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be just as Wonder Woman anymore. Very cool. And I think you're right. I Once you're a martial artist and you really love it, I mean, you never it's a life like like i've said before it's a lifestyle more than anything it's it's a part of who you are and you can't give that up i agree i think it just kind of seeps into you and takes hold and that's that's where it is and i think for all the good and all the bad it has to balance out so you can have the horror stories and then you can have those moments where you just laugh and go i remember that tournament and i remember this and it's almost like a warm hug you just remember it and you go, those were some good times. And, you know, you just kind of realize it's part of you. Yeah. 
uh, where can people find more about you? You can find me at uh, birthofthefay.com, F-A-E, on Instagram at birthofthefay underscore novel. And, uh, you know, drop me a DM. And uh, my books are available on Amazon, Target, barnesandnobles.com, bookshop.org, and any place where you can find books, you can find Birth of the Fay. Very cool. And I will put all the links uh, in the show notes below. So everybody has access to you and to your, to your novels uh, so they can get Birth of the Fay and start reading, the, start reading it for themselves. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, any final thoughts? I just think uh, if you've ever thought about training martial arts, you should definitely look into it and just find the right art that matches you and what your personality is, whether it's Tai Chi, Kung Fu, uh, Taekwondo, Shotokan, you know, it just kind of depends on you and what you're looking for and just try some things out. The first one might not fit or the style might fit you, but maybe the instructor doesn't. And that's okay. You know, just check it out and see if you've always wanted to take it, then it's probably something you should at least explore and see what you could do. But you know, there's a lot of good things about it and check it out and you don't have to go and get beaten up. There's a lot of arts that you don't have to spar. And that's something to kind of keep in mind. Yeah. And um, thank you, Danielle. Um, I love bringing on martial artists on this show. Um, it's uh, like you said, like it, martial arts it's in my blood it's in my soul and bringing on different martial artists and sharing their experiences with this lifestyle is so important for people to understand what martial arts really is this is not just for kids it's for adults too it's for adults that have problems and issues and to show people the true martial artists it's so important and so needed because we all have issues and this is how we deal with it. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing uh, your experiences with, with me and my audience. Uh, it means it really does mean a lot to me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I love talking to other martial artists and just sharing the experience. Cause I think there is a bit of a stigma out there with martial arts and mental health. And uh, we're all just on this journey together. So I think anytime we can talk about it, it's always a great thing. Absolutely. Going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before. And you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning good afternoon, or good night, wherever you may be in this crazy world. Hey, everybody, it's John from Resilient Reboot Productions and the Fitness Oracle. Thank you for watching this episode, and I really hope that you enjoyed it. Please don't forget to subscribe, hit the bell, and share this video if you are watching this on YouTube or on Rumble. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast Breaker, or whatever streaming service that you may be using, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us reach more people that are suffering from mental health issues. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to join us on Pod Inbox. This is a great platform that we can keep the conversation going. Over the years, we've discovered that the best way to help people regain their confidence back of whatever fitness goal that they are looking for 
is to put together a tight knit community that will be here to support you in that journey. So in order for us to do that, we are partnering up with pod inbox to help us create that platform and give you that opportunity to uh, have your voice. So all you have to do is click on the link below in the show notes and get your set up your free account on pod inbox right now until then. I'll see you guys soon.